Welcome to On The Deck, the... Uh, on, wait, I thought we were calling it Decked Out. Yes, sorry. Um, decked Out, the... Uno- is it official or unofficial? I'm pretty sure it's unofficial. The unofficial uh, Decker fan cast. Well, it remains to be seen. We may eventually become the official Decker podcast. It's... I don't see why not. Yeah, I'd like to think that we would. I think this would be on... on Tim's a busy guy, but I think this would be on Greg's radar. Certainly. I'm a fellow film buff, so... I think we we bought our... That's why we're doing this, and that's why we're a fan of probably the greatest o- online film series, or, or online TV series. I don't know what you call it. It's, I think it transcends all of yeah. those, and it's something else. It's the new era of filmmaking, really. So, like, if you're listening to this, you're obviously a fan, too. We don't need to tell you what Decker is. Mm. But uh, what we're doing, we're... Uh, well, this episode is more a retrospective of the, the first three seasons, or two, depending on who you ask. Mits too. And uh, I've lost my train of thought there. Yeah, we, yeah. so we're doing a retrospective leading up to the new season. Uh, and we will be back to uh, talk about our predictions about that too. And, and ongoing as the as the, the new s- episodes are released in whatever format they may be. And that's what's great about this show, that we don't even know. But we'll get into that when we're, when we're talking about our predictions. Mm. So we start off with season one. Yeah, we can also start off by introducing ourselves. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Johnny. And I'm Richard. Want to tell people some some about you? Well, I'm a uh, somewhat prominent filmmaker in the Irish scene. Um, would uh, would people have seen your work, listeners? Oh, almost without doubt. Um, numerous television programs and films that I've been involved in have been broadcast on international television and in cinemas worldwide. Numerous awards as well won by said productions. But yeah, I'm a filmmaker, but um, I consider myself a cinematographer, but then occasionally a writer and director as well. Excellent, and so you're you're obviously an expert on the, the the technical aspects of Decker. So without doubt, I come from an indie filmmaking background. So while I major in camera work and cinematography, I can I've, I'm well informed on all elements of production from audio, post production, anything relating to set design and graphic design. All of it, really. I've I've touched every part of that. So is it fair to say you you do? aspire to to work on something the the level of decker to that standard absolutely that's i think most filmmakers coming up would aspire to this kind of standard especially the the way the show has developed over time from series one to you know the upcoming series it's clear that the technical levels have just advanced massively yeah yeah. and that's it with me like I, i did study film and i kind of fell out with it i think but you know watching Watching Decker kind of revitalized my sort of my passion for that as a writer, particularly. Mm. I'd like to write something along. I, I'd lean more towards. I'd like to. I know there's already a novelization of of Decker, but yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to write something like Decker. Mm, yeah. I think that could take off. I, I know Tim might not like to hear it, but a Bond esque series of books. Mm. Um, I think Tim's work on this show is inspirational to everyone because he's clearly one of the the most notable modern auteurs given that he's he writes he directs he edits he acts he does everything and he, it's it's like a, a 1960s french director yeah and he does he does music mm. he's a, a like a jack of all trades and a master of all trades too clearly um well how did you come across decker the, the first season well, i think my entry point to it was definitely through on cinema at the cinema the original show um with Tim and Greg. Yes. 
I had actually come across it uh, without how I wasn't aware of on cinema first. I was just I was looking. It's almost like it was fate. I was looking for something like Decker. Mm. I couldn't find it anywhere, and then I then I found it, and I uh, in one night I watched the entire season, and then I went looking on the related videos, watched everything else he'd done, and instantly in love. Yeah, it's a fantastic entry point. Like it's clearly one of the most significant works that Tim has done, like beyond his his comedy work really like for him to have moved into serious filmmaking like this uh, as part of a serious movie review show as well it's kind of it's an interesting pro- progression yeah, yeah. it's quite it's quite like what somebody like now they won't be quite on tim's level but what bill murray would have done where they came from a saturday night live background and then you know they've done like comedy films but then eventually done done some dramas like hmm, yeah of course tim was a stand-up and he has had several mm, are they notable television comedies? I'm like I'm, I'm a fan of him as a the filmmaker artist rather than the the comedian. So I, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not I'm not particularly a, a comedy fan. Well, so season one. Let's get into that. What you, uh, you know, what we were drawn to. It's been the first our first introduction to uh, maybe not for you, not Tim, but uh, it was your first introduction to Jack Decker at least. Mm, yeah. Well, series one. It's it's where everything began, of course. Uh, really innovative show from a story standpoint, performance standpoint, technical standpoint. Everything about it kind of redefined what we were to expect of a, a web-based dramatic series. Exactly, yeah. I, I wouldn't have been a, a huge... I didn't have much faith in web series up until uh, I saw Decker on Classified. Like, I, I didn't... I really thought, you know, the internet internet television would never take off. I, I still have questions whether it will or not. If if everything is made to the standard of Decker, perhaps. Mm, I'd, I'd agree with that. Well, I've tried watching things like Netflix, on Netflix and House of Cards, and there's there's just, there's no, there's no drama, no action there. No, they're not very cinematic either. I think they lack that key element that Tim brings to everything he's done with Decker. Exactly. Um, but there's you know, a sense of scope to in this show that's missing from almost anything else. I've seen I've seen parts of Daredevil and things like that as well and I I just have not been impressed with him in any any way really. No, no. And and yet I and I've looked on I, I've had uh, a service that allows you to see, would you believe it, all different Netflix from different countries and, like and networks channel two or But you'd be surprised like looking at the Netflix from different countries and uh Decker isn't on one of them. You just Decker is not to be found on any Netflix service, any VOD service. Really, that's that's unusual. But I guess Tim is kind of going about it his own way, so he might not want to subscribe to that particular delivery method for media. Yeah, but you know, considering some of the some of the messages in the show, I think there might be somewhat of a I don't want to say liberal agenda, but I think that's very likely. Um, but yeah, so what what was the first thing that grabbed you about season one? Um, it's well, the whole package really struck me. But it's it's only when I came to revisit and watch the the show. I think I've watched series one maybe eight, eight or nine times now, possibly more. But clearly, the way it's shot, like coming from my cinematography background, it's a really visually effective show. The way everything's framed, the blocking, the shot choices. The lighting, especially the lighting, is is superb. Like it's clearly shot somewhere on the west coast of America, so that's why Hollywood is there. It's that quality of light that Hollywood has, and Tim has clearly used that really effectively. He knew what he was doing. I was going to say just the opening theme music, but 
you know that point kind of diminishes mine but no it can't be argued the music is really it's a little bit of a throwback to 90s television drama i think that's tim's little nod to that genre that's kind of not as important anymore and shows like his have come to kind of progress from that's it it's like uh, hollywood has forgotten the greats and or, or the great the great style of movie making and tim's trying to bring that back hmm, definitely but the it's very very much a the plot lines are very much set in the present like it's all very relevant the america's america's battle with the taliban yeah yeah terrorism exactly. at large it's it's a really nice concise like the the total running time of the first series is actually only about 20 minutes but what it covers in that time is quite astounding really it's only 20 minutes about 20 minutes yeah it's incredible mm. i never because i never actually timed it because like i would just want me looking at that uh, it just i'm so i'm so immersed in it that i have no concept of time when i'm watching a I show keep, like that i tend to keep a catalog of all the, the times of shows and programs i've watched so i can oh, track them and you know go back to them afterwards yeah at the same point as a cinematographer that'd be important to you uh. definitely like i keep notes for every single frame that i find especially beautiful i keep a i generally take snapshots of every single frame that I, I, I really like, which is my big thing with Decker. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen actually quite a few of them around your wall. Mm. Um, and that's it, like, Decker, every frame you could hang on the wall, that's how much of a masterpiece it is. Mm. Um, well, from a from a story perspective, what I think is incredible with season one is that they don't... We're so used to seeing, you know, the, the terrorist plot in a movie, somebody's going to blow up something, and not once have we seen either the Super Bowl or Central Park be the target? No, clearly not. I think, like, it's a... America's obviously a big place, so there's a lot of choices for these kind of locations to shoot in, but he, he chose two very significant ones, like, yeah. such such fundamentally American things. But yet, no, other, no, no one else... Everybody's always doing, like, the World Trade Center or the Statue of Liberty, like X-Men. Ghostbusters, uh, like X-Men, but, but not once have I seen Central Park be... Uh, no. But strangely... Although it's that scene is set in Central Park, not the entirety of it was shot in Central Park. I had I had heard that. I wasn't sure if it was true. I've never been to to Central Park, so I wasn't wasn't sure. I believe the scenes with Tim are somewhere in California, while there are certain. It's really hard to pick them out, but there's certain shots within it that were shot by a second unit uh, in New York City. Oh, okay. Well, that's movie magic at play i defy you to, you to figure out which shots they are oh i cut and i wouldn't even try i wouldn't know where to begin like that's a testament to the technical qualities of the show like to match those elements it's incredibly hard from a cinematography perspective to match individual shots individual cameras individual days within one scene yeah so it shows the quality of the cinematographer involved the editor and the color grader especially it's incredible mm. and i'm not sure but um a lot of that might have been... Uh, Tim might have filled a lot of those roles. Very possible. I've never seen an actual confirmed crew list for Decker. No, and that's what's interesting, because the credits on screen anyway, you uh, you don't see them all. You don't see all the uh, the below-the-line people. Now, Tim has a history of not having much time for the below-the-line people. Which is fair, I think. Well, yeah. Um, I, I don't see why he should, I suppose. Um, no, like Tim is uh, as we've seen from the credits in the introduction that he fills several roles, but you know, otherwise it's hard to say. But I think it's a fair assumption that he he does some of them. And that's actually, you know, it kind of shows how modest of a man he really is. A lot of people think that he he has an ego, and I think 
they confuse ego with just like being a perfectionist. I think they're two different things. Like, and I just, think that's a common thing. Yeah, and people don't just don't understand the creative mind or how the creative mind works. Would think that, but Tim, like we said, we don't know for sure, but probably filled a lot of roles that he isn't credited for hmm. because he didn't need to, he didn't need to bask in all that glory, like because it wasn't important to him to be credited with color grading or or what what have you. Um, he may have even catered. I've seen he has done cooking shows online, so he may well have been done that. That's completely true, yeah. I suspect a man doesn't even sleep. Just stays awake 24 hours a day, or maybe 23 and three-quarter hours, and just gets that 15 minutes at lunchtime. Yeah, That's I all he needs. I'm sure even when he's sleeping, he's he's somehow able to create. His subconscious is working on well, details of the production, I'm sure. Well, you have to have dr- dreamt up Decker somehow. Yeah, so it can't be denied. Season one is an absolutely seminal, web-based, dramatic program. It, it's fantastic. It The only thing that beats it is season two. Absolutely. Season two, like there's a, a notable increase in quality. It's hard to believe that it went from season one to season two and it could actually improve. But it's, yeah, they started bringing in all sorts of technical equipment that they wouldn't have had previously there's loads of drone footage Decker season 2 it like it starts starts off hot straight in there there's drone footage Decker's running along the beach there's some amazing stuff in there and you know me so you you know uh, my love for taglines and that's what had me about season 2 it was the intro music in season 1 in season 2 it was the tagline it was the law has limits he doesn't <laughs> incredible that's like that's some of the best writing i've ever seen and that's before that's on the poster before the show even starts it's so simple and concise it tells it. you everything you need to know and now this season is interesting because this was also the uh introduction to another creative force within the show where greg turkington who had a, almost just a cameo in the first season hmm. a lot of people me included would think he should have been given more to do but um, um, i don't know I, I, Tim is clearly the the driving force behind it. Greg, I'm not arguing yeah. that, of course, but I think I think there was more for him. But I think to make up for it anyway, uh, with season two. Yeah, I think I, Tim was very good to do that for Greg. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he was also a, was he a co-writer in a limited capacity? I believe so. Additional material, perhaps. Yes, that was. I think that was the credit. Yeah, so uh, season two, Portacol, Hawaii. Mm. Uh, incredible season uh, a new location even yeah I thought that was very impressive it, it adds to the secret agent aspect of it and that's something like you can't fake that they obviously had to go to Hawaii for that they absolutely did. as far as I know they were jetting back and forth from Hawaii to California to record on cinema then back to Decker and back and forth for several weeks it's incredible what you have to do when you have two two jobs two jobs you're dedicated to with mm. such a huge audience yeah, and Hawaii has never looked as... Although I'm not really... I don't know what, what films I'd have actually seen set in Hawaii. They were obviously unremarkable. Very much um, so. I saw some comedy with that guy from Freaks and Geeks in it. George Clooney? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan. No. Yeah, well, either way, I don't think I've seen many other than that George Clooney one. I haven't seen many films set in Hawaii, but I, w- I, will, I will say it right now that it's still the best looking Hawaii's ever been on on screen certainly like it goes to places that I've never seen within Hawaii like I think it's a wonderful scene that encapsulates the island when he goes down the the zip line like you see so much on you get a fantastic panoramic perspective 
of the whole island. It's incredible. And like just he, he brings he makes Hawaii a character again. The it's just back to the writing. The Hawaii is a character and he manages there's stuff that like I was vaguely aware of Pearl Harbor, but I had no idea that that was a place in Hawaii until watching Decker. Me too. And seeing the memorial like Hmm. Um, I knew I knew it related to a war, and that you know Ben Affleck was in a movie, a brilliant a brilliant film, and obviously one of his best. Uh, an homage to that, the fact that he can teach you, you know, about the real world, about history, all within uh, this brilliant show. Yeah, it's the invasion that's happening there. It's just like the Japanese invaded Hawaii back in nineteen forties. Four. It's not unlike that at all, and. Um, in reverence of history, there's a moment when when Decker says it's it's like Pearl Harbor 2.0 all over again. That's right. Mm. That's right. It's a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah, and one uh, we're skipping ahead a little, but just because we're speaking of that, like my favorite scene was when when he reveals that his uh, father uh, died in the, the Pearl Harbor, so or grandfather, I can't remember. Mm, it's an extremely uh, dramatic moment when he. he rips his shirt off and dives into the waters yeah. of Hawaii to, to find the dog tags. It's powerful, really powerful. And you wouldn't see you wouldn't see Jason Bourne or James Bond doing that. Like that's what separates Jack Decker from the others like that. He's a patriot. Yes. Um uh but yeah th- this season you you were saying the other one for season 1 was 20 minutes. What mm. was season 2? Cuz to me they were they felt like they could be the same. I believe season 2 was over an hour. Wow. Which is the duration of an average feature film and shows the direction the show may be going in. Oh, that's it. That's interesting. Um, yeah, but to, the fact that it was twice as long, uh, to me, it just uh, I prefer season two, but they're so close to, you know, it's hmm. by a hair. I think it, it expands on everything from the first series. It keeps the, the terrorist plot lines dealing with Al-Qaeda, but it's, in this case, it's an actual invasion rather than an individual attack. Yeah, it ups the up the stakes just a bit, and it ups everything. Even the character development is upped. You know, we 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 learn more about Davidson, who we didn't really mention when we were talking about season one. Mm, President um, Davidson, and uh, also inter- the introduction of his old friend from the Green Berets, best friend, best friend, Lenoy Arnold. It's um, yeah, that's a huge thing. Really getting insight into Decker's character while he was like a steeled secret agent in the first series and we only got glimpses we actually see an individual from Decker's past here someone who made Decker the man he is today that's it we learn we learn quite a lot about Decker just through seeing how he interacts with mm. Lenoy like we see how much of a good friend he is like he's over there to see him to congratulate him on his the renovations of his bar and he also he turns down a dinner with the president in order to spend time with Lenoy. But of course he would because you know Decker he, he doesn't he, he's about the not the I don't want to say the little guy but he he won't. He's not into that bureaucrat circle jerk. He won't be sitting around with Davidson. No. Uh, maybe another president, somebody that was more on his on his level. But in fairness to Decker, uh, although he spends time at Lenoy Arnold's bar, apart from Lenoy Arnold, there's a lot of ladies there, and the ladies love Decker, man. There's a great line as well. Decker's getting laid. Mm. I mean, they they really build the friendship between Lenoy and and Decker really well, which makes. The ending when it's revealed Lenoy Arnold is working with the terrorists just so strong. Oh my god, it was heartbreaking to watch that. But like, I'm not sure which was, and I, everybody's seen it, but because they they uh, they really play that out, and it's so tense. Like you know somebody 
somebody has to be a rat like hmm. i mean they throw again fantastic right and they throw such a curveball because they have lenoy tell sorry king kingston at the kingston. kingston at one point that he thinks jack is the, is a double agent and you as the viewer are like oh no that well that's obviously not true but Len, you you think that lenoy would never think that you know, if he was a double agent. So it just throws you a curve. But obviously, he was trying to play Kingsman against Decker. It's a genius, genius writing. Yeah, it's a, it's a strong bad guy. Like, so many films don't have strong, intelligent adversaries these days. But Lenoy Arnold is, is, is quite superb, I, I found. Really well-developed character, has his own motivations. Tries to, you know deal with the the protagonists in his own way no uh, yeah I, uh, that's a brilliant point in fact like a lot of films these days I, I find myself not actually even being able to know who the bad guy is hmm. like i was like civil war i was like but the iron man was a good guy in one film now he's a bad guy all of a sudden i, I thought he was a i thought he was a good guy but no and, and captain america is a bad guy at some point but he's He's got America in his name. Yeah, they changed their mind. You have this... It's amazing that something like that can actually get through. Like, a few people will read that script. No no actor will call the writer on it. That you've written two bad guys and no good guys. Yeah, it uh, just makes no sense. Well, there's one bad guy and he dies five minutes into the film. Exactly. And we don't mind spoiling it because, you know, we just saved you. You know, go watch Decker two more times and you'll have a better experience. It's clearly time better spent. To go back, actually, and that's... A great moment in season two when uh, when he meets uh, Lenoy Arnold. And Lenoy asks him if he's still writing music. And that's where we see Jack Decker. Not even, not Tim, but mm. Jack Decker perform for the first time. Yeah, the very first time I'd never seen that before. And it was just, it's an amazing introduction to his musical career. And you would not see that in another show. Like, I like huge fan of 24. One of, like, well, you know, it does, after seeing... Decker, I couldn't go back and watch it, but you would never see Jack Power go and go and sing like because he wouldn't be as multi-talented as somebody. No, I think it's those character development elements that Tim uses that bring the show above something like Twenty Four. Yeah, well, I think it was already above it, but but I guess like having t- having Jack sing kind of just pisses on the ashes of shows like Twenty Four. The strength of the song as well. Our values are under attack. Incredible. Mm, like lyrically it's it's absolutely superb i don't think anything can encapsulate the situation in america better than that no i think it's kind of like the one my go-to song now it's what seems to be stuck in my head i sing it on a daily basis hmm. i learned it on guitar yeah obviously i'm more of a visual creative so i i don't play an instrument but i i i respect someone who would and i can see how tim is a hugely talented individual that he can combine things that like my creative talents and your creative talents and do all these things beyond what we could ever ever aspire to well that's it because like if we were to make decker it'd take both of us but he can do it he's got all that talent Mm. in one being and more and more yeah that's astounding Uh, i found season two also brought up far more of the i wouldn't say typical secret agent aspects but it introduces more gadgets like the the eye in the sky the eye in the sky Mm. one of my favorites yeah that's an amazing episode where he gets a satellite into space using uh, one of those ski parachute devices from the back of a boat yes yeah yeah. Mm. that's great and because in a lot of films like once they start bringing in the the sort of technical mumbo jumbo sometimes you can't follow it but there's such a balance between it and the action this time around you know Mm. he's talking about the eye in the sky 
and while he's talking about it, it's showing the clip of him getting up there so you have something to sort of keep keep the things ticking over and then some superb visual effects again of the actual satellite in space above the earth really like perfectly done beautiful yeah yeah I'd well, like, seamless I'd... I was when you said visual effect I had to stop and think oh yeah of course that's I know. the the um, that's the yeah. subtlety of the visual effects like that's that's a real talent they also introduce you're speaking of the the tech in it they also have the the listening device of course that's in Kingston mm. Kingston's on the island he's having some time off uh, dubbing tapes and he gets a tape from a terrorist mm. um, which actually really interesting just go back to uh, the writing of it how incredible it is and it just it just gets better this season if you you notice when when he gets the tape, when he receives the tape from the lady terrorist, you notice there's a rug hanging behind her, and it falls mid-shot. Really? Yeah, clearly to foreshadow the fall of Hawaii. It was very subtle. It's incredibly subtle, but you know, if like if you're like me and you look out for these things, mm. like subconsciously, um, I think any viewer will register that, whether their attention is drawn to it or not. But it will definitely <clears throat> send their mind in a certain direction. They'll it, get, absolutely. Since foreboding will come in. Um, well, I thought it was very interesting that the espionage is a two-way street. That the Taliban are also using it; they're bugging videotapes. Exactly, it's a very skilled targeting of of Kington. Yeah, and I assume that's where uh, Lenoy Arnold comes in. Like that's why the Taliban needed him. To, to he had the background being with the Green Berets. He probably had a background in code breaking himself. He's um, possibly the only man who could potentially bring down Decker under ideal circumstances. It, yeah. It was it was a, a good plan, but you know, wasn't wasn't quite good enough. Bandage. For the Taliban. Jack Decker is just too much man for too much of a patriot, too much of a soldier, too much of a spy. He's just that you know, that could be a tagline for a future season. Mm. Too much of a soldier. Oh, like if it if it if it was a movie series and if it was Decker too, it'd be too much of a soldier, too much of a spy. Possibly, yeah. You could and you could send spin offs into any direction as well. Like it's good there's so many eras of James Bond with different styles that Decker and Decker could easily fit into anything he could turn into a pure action film I'm sure he could well he has done comedy Tim so I, like, I don't foresee him ever doing anything comedic with Decker that would be foolish no I think he's beyond comedy at this point anyway yeah he's think, proven himself yeah I don't think you'd find uh, you'll never find Bill Murray going back and trying to be funny no no because he's too old to be funny if you reach that age at 63 I think it is where scientifically you can no longer be funny you're so far removed from really yeah you're so far removed from what is current and what is humorous that you you can no longer process things into a a funny line or anything I've never heard that that's really interesting yeah 63 it seems it seems young and is it just with comedy or does that age cross over is there other because like Tom Cruise is 50 I hope I hope 63 isn't the cut-off for being a, an action No, I hero. don't think so. Jackie Chan's performed in action films beyond that. Not his finest works, admittedly, but... No, and and I, I'm sure Arnie and Sylvester are, are close to that. Yeah, no. What age is Sylvester Stallone? Probably, he's pretty old. Yeah. He's probably passed out Jackie. Do you have a favourite line throughout all of Decker season two? Ooh, the entire show... I think when he introduces the eyes in the sky so he can get a bird's eye view and then reiterates that. There's something about that. Like just It shows his, his technical prowess and his use of gadgetry. Just that line, I don't know, it just it always did something for me. Yeah, yeah. And the repetition as well. 
really worked. I have a uh, one. My favorite line, and it's jumping ahead quite a bit, but when uh, I think he's hostage when he gets the cuffs off. Kingston's mm. in the cinema and he gets the code, and he just says, "Party's over, shitheads," and he kills three terrorists. It's brilliant. It's a great action line. It could have been in any of the the top nineteen eighties action films, really. Exactly. And we also we actually get a really interesting treat in season two that I loved, where we get to watch the uh, season one finale again. He flashes back to a. Which I love because sometimes when I'm watching a show and they do the previously on, it's not quite enough. And I still find myself playing catch up for the whole episode. Decker has such a dense plot line that I think these little flashbacks and previously ons actually serve the show really well. Mm. Like it's, I know Game of Thrones does it. I'm not a fan of this show. It's something that it has to use and Decker's even, despite its relatively short running time, it fills so much plot into these episodes that it it has to do that yeah yeah um yeah and i appreciate it like it's just it's just a treat it's a treat to see hmm. that see those scenes again it's yeah it's the highlights of the previous episodes really yeah and like i think that the relationship between uh davidson is what i really like in this season because like you're used to seeing like a president give orders and like i just like the jack decker and it goes back to the tagline and why i love that the law has limits he doesn't because you won't see like james bond jack bauer jason bourne they won't pull a gun on the president but jack decker will clearly he has no while he he's an american patriot he has no respect for authority especially these What's the word you used earlier for these individuals, the, the government that they have there at the moment? The, the bureaucrats. Bureaucrats, bureaucrats yes. Up in, in their ivy tower, they, they call the White House, mm. as Jack Decker says. Filling in forms all day when they, they should be blowing up terrorists. Taking backhanders from big corporations and big farmers. Exactly. Um, yeah, and Jack Decker just won't, won't take that. Um, as he says himself, this mouse is a sly fox. <laughs> it's, it's such a, a wonderful little line that encapsulates his character isn't it but well that's what's interesting and it kind of i guess this shows davidson you know how clueless he is as a president i'm not sure if you noticed this but if you watch very closely and i think it's in throughout both seasons but it's definitely in season two through the window in the oval office you can actually see there's somebody stalking davidson and recording them in almost every scene really yeah, like whenever he's on, whenever he's making a, a speech or when he's talking uh, through the through the video call, you can actually see there's a man. It looks like he has a camera. Very still, obviously, like a trained agent who isn't isn't moving. Like um, there are obviously several agents stationed within the that room at all times. So maybe it's it's a testament to these these individuals, their skills as. Which well, so you think that'd agents. be a, a CIA, FBI? I would have it, said so, yeah. Okay, well, see, I was thinking that maybe that's uh, a spy. I thought maybe that's setting up a future season. Well, that's very possible. Um, like Tim would put things on with a long hand like that. Come back to it in season three. I think that's that seems like a could be a smart move. Well spotted. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I guess. Um, before we finish up, I just want to another line I just thought of when he's uh, when he has the terrorist. And he says, American-style torture. Welcome to the water park. And he tortures, he, he waterboards somebody with an American flag. Yeah, and the show does not shy away from no. such things as torture, which I, I have to say, I think, as a way to protect your nation is to be respected. 
of course it's necessary of course and that's um yeah that's the the first two seasons we're going to wrap up we'll be back again we'll talk about hopefully season three and our predictions for season four mm, obviously there's already several trailers so we'll we'll dissect them and use our expert minds to see where the show might be going in the future that's it uh, so join us next time for uh we agreed on decked out was it for decked out the uh unofficial hope soon soon to be official uh decker fan cast for uk and ireland <laughs>